0: Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update here at JM in the A.M. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the A.M.
1: Thank you. Good to be with you.
0: Uh, parade Day Sunday, it's been three years. I know. I assume that you, as you do every single year when there is a parade, will encourage this audience and everybody that you come in contact with to try to be there Sunday. Uh, I, we always say this, <laughs> that there's no more important year than now, but it does feel that way, that there's no more important time than now uh, to be vocal about support for Israel and the Jewish people.
1: Very important. I think people who need, need the parade, just as the parade needs the people. Uh, I think we need to come together and show our support for one another and certainly for Israel at a time when we see the barrage of unfair criticism, the events on campuses where they're voting BDS, um, pro-BDS measures like at Harvard, Louisiana State, uh, other places, that it's a time to come out, to be proud, to show your support for Israel, and to show the world where we stand.
0: No question about it. it. Happens on Fifth Avenue this coming Sunday, and one of the people at the JCRC told me that that, that we would be surprised at at the at the um, uh, at some how do I put this uh, that that uh, they've reached out to many many groups. Uh, Along the political spectrum and it seems there's a greater enthusiasm amongst everybody to be there. I hope that's true. Not everybody agrees on everything obviously, but if we can agree on Israel at least and come together for a day, that's a really important step. So hopefully what that person told me is in fact accurate and we'll see a big crowd and a a diverse crowd in terms of diverse opinions uh, this coming Sunday on Fifth Avenue and I hope everybody uh, will join us. Make sure to wave when you uh, when you walk by at 64th Street and Fifth Avenue. Lots going on in this world, including what it looks like uh, somewhat one of the Israeli correspondents, one of the Israeli journalists yesterday actually went out on a limb and and published on Twitter uh, the what will will what will be, in his opinion, the next election day in Israel. Uh, he actually wrote September the 20th the Tuesday uh, before Rosh Hashanah will be the next election day in Israel because of the way things are going now malcolm we've always been trained to um, to think and uh, and believe that if someone can't hold a coalition of 61 seats it's automatically going to be new elections it looks like those 61 seats of this coalition no longer exists and therefore, the coalition no longer exists. But yet, no one's ready to say that we're definitely going to new elections.
1: That's correct. And the uh, defection this week by the merits uh, member Knesset, a merits member of Knesset, um, gives the opposition in total to two-vote majority. But they are not able to move. And, and, you know, if you move a no-confidence vote, which is necessary to bring the government down... Uh, unless they themselves reorganize within the Knesset without having an election, that is a possibility, but not a probability right at this point it seems because the they seems to be able to unite behind one person, although I think there are a lot of discussions going on behind the scenes. The, um, if you if you introduce a resolution of no confidence, you can't and it fails. you cannot introduce another one for six months. So everybody's going to wait to make sure that they have the best opportunity, best chance, uh, with a no-confidence measure. And you have the the Arab list and other parties, you don't know where they're going to uh, actually come down in uh, in that kind of a a vote. So I think everybody is hesitant, you're right, and I think everybody wants to make sure that they're going to be in a good position because many of the current parties are showing very poor results in a hypothetical poll uh, of an election and the the major parties even Bennett's party would not make the threshold according to most of course that changes when people get to the polls and it's no certainties but uh, I think people are reluctant to rush to an election knowing that there could be a heavy poll uh, price because people are going to hold to account those who bring the government down, because if you look at studies, the Israeli people are not anxious to have an election. They would like to see a functioning government. They would like to see more coherence, but not necessarily an election, which would be, what, the, the, the fifth in a couple of years.
0: Yeah, so it would be the fifth election in three years. I, I'm, I'm Just when I think I know everything about how it works in Israel, so now, I, now I discover I don't. So, even Neither do they. Even if you're, even if you're under sixty seats in your official coalition, right? Well, we forget about sixty for a second. But even if you're under sixty seats, which is which is where it's going now, right? It's basically right. sixty-one fifty-nine. It, with, without why wouldn't the vote of no confidence work? In other words, why is, why is it dependent that the only way you could form a new government or call for new elections? is if the no-confidence vote goes through. Even without a no-confidence vote, you, you don't have any evidence that you have a real government, that you have a, a, a real coalition that's, that can rule.
1: Israel's had minority governments before, and they are able to rule. It's very hard to legislate because, you know, to put together a majority for, for different pieces of legislation, so you may end up in, uh, in stalemates uh, c- consistently. But everybody has to evaluate it that it's in their interest to have it, and and what would happen. It may be that the Arab list, for instance, would not want to see a Netanyahu government emerge or a more right-wing government, which is most likely because they would have a, a bigger block, a much bigger block in the uh, in, in the Knesset uh, than the left, a uh, left-oriented one would would have. So everybody they have to evaluate it and see what is in their interest, their party's interest in, in
0: if they force an election. It's funny because the attitude, which basically formed this government, which was make sure to keep BB out, right? That's how this government was formed. That's that same attitude. That same mantra is, is, is what's keeping this whole thing alive is, is what, if there is going to be a a minority government ruling, then it's going to be because of that reason.
1: That is a, a major motivating factor. It was the glue that, as you said brought diverse elements together uh, and it's still a factor and and but the the um, possibility of having some sort of a, a different coalition uh, looms and as a possibility but right now netanyahu if you look at any of the polls is still way ahead as the, as an individual in terms of being leader prime minister than uh, i think almost anybody it would be uh, You know, he still has a certain popularity that um, would be a a significant factor if they go to an election and then see him emerge again as the prime minister is not something a lot of these parties want.
0: 24 hours ago, were you more confident that there would be new elections than you are now? When you first heard the news? No. Really? No, because it's, it's. first of all,
1: it, it, nobody can figure out the system. I mean, it's just, it's meant not to be figured out, I think. And it, this is, um, you know, we've gone through this so many times in these five elections or four elections in the three years, and each time you ask the same questions because we don't know the answers. And it's each time there's a, a new configuration or a new manipulation, uh, and the... Um, and I think that that's where we're at now. And you have the added questions about Netanyahu's legal status, other things that, um, you know, add
0: to the complexity. Yeah, I get that. Uh, all right. So September 20th. I mean, again, I know you don't predict and there's nothing you can predict here, but don't don't jump to conclusions that September 20th is going to be election day. Don't days. book a vacation that day. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it sounds like a it sounds like a 50 50 now. That you know, I mean, I don't think he chose that uh, date randomly. The twentieth of September It probably makes sense calendarically. By the way, is well, it,
1: you need three months. You right. need three months from the time you announce it. And
0: I guess it's an election. issue of doing it before Yonter or after Yonter. Is, is it true that it that if in fact this government uh, is victim of a no confidence vote, in other words, if the no confidence vote goes through, is it true that uh, Lapid becomes prime minister until that election takes place?
1: If nobody's clear about that either. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't show. It doesn't. It, it,
0: There's somebody else out there anxious to ask you a question. I see <laughs> it's an interview. Um,
1: uh, so it's not it definitely what, what were you asking me?
0: Well, th- there there was a rumor flying that, and part of the agreement is that, that the government dissolves as prime minister until the next government takes over. Right. Is that true or false?
1: That is true, but there were people. You remember that it's gone. Uh, The deal was that if the government fell or something, Gantz would have been the the interim prime minister because that was the original agreement. Some people held that if this falls apart, the old agreement comes into effect. But according to this agreement, I think it is correct that, that, uh, at least that's what I was told yesterday, that he would have a shot.
0: And is that going to have a role, is that going to have any influence about whether that, that vote goes through or not? Like, Is anyone thinking, like, uh-oh, if I vote this way, Lapid could be prime minister? Or, or it's probably irrelevant?
1: Well, it would only be prime minister for the interim period. Right. and a couple of months. While, while that government is generally considered the most powerful government Israel can have, because when the Knesset dissolves, it, the prime minister and the government really have free reign to do as they wish. So... It is, it is a different uh, circumstance. Um, again, I know it's very foreign to most yeah. people and certainly to most of us. And, and most Israelis don't understand
0: it either. All right, finally on this. I know we spent a lot of time on, the, on this. but yeah, I, I know. I get it. <laughs> but when Zawabi <laughs> says that she's leaving the coalition but not joining the opposition, does that also play a role in the... EF?
1: Yeah, because that's that vote that that's the opposition the would
0: need. Right. Right. So, OK, so it looks like if there is a vote of no confidence at the at the moment, it looks like it's it likely would not go through. That's what, I mean, again, unless you want to call it 50 50, but whatever it is. Uh, now, there was a rumor that the president of the United States wanted to visit Israel and that this whole, you know, everything happening regarding this possible new election may postpone that or move the trip. What, what do you know about Biden's plans to go to Israel?
1: I think it's still scheduled for the third week in June, I think. It it will be contingent on the fact that they have a government. (laughs) If the the government falls, he won't go. But right now, uh, as far as I know, the trip is still on, and um, he will go there. He may visit Saudi Arabia, may visit some other countries uh, in the region and beyond. There are reports about what his itinerary is, but I don't think it is set.
0: What can you tell us about what happened Wednesday night and Thursday in Mayron? Were, were the Israeli security forces again ill-prepared for, for the massive crowds that were coming on Bomer?
1: No, they were very well prepared, whether they were prepared properly, um, and whether the behavior of the people attending it uh, was certainly, by in a lot of instances, appears improper. But remember, it's a small minority. When you look at the number of people who are there, the vast majority were orderly and, and peaceful, but I just don't understand why people would put themselves, their children at risk by, by some of the behavior that we witnessed and the police in instances look like they were overreacting. But if you're not on the scene and don't know exactly the full context of what, what you're witnessing by somebody's, uh, from somebody's cell phone, um, I think there'll be a lot of assessments, but thank God there were, you know, people were safe. Nobody got hurt. Uh, There were some clashes, but they were very apparently minor uh, exchanges with people, you know, trying to break through the barriers, which eventually they did. So the question is, is there anything that they can do when you have such a massive crowd to to really prevent it? Or you just close it and not let the, the, the commemorations go on? Or find out ways. I mean, they were stopping cars far away, and people objected and found ways around the the police
0: blockades. Yeah, I don't know. You need you need cooperation from everybody in order to make it work. Thank God, nothing. I mean, thank God, no tragedy. Thank God that uh, nothing that um, um, nothing happened like what happened last year. And uh, I, I thought the lesson of, of losing all those people in the tragedy would make people. Um, deal with things uh, in a much more responsible manner. But again, thank God, everything was relatively okay in the end. Um, what do we know about the, uh, 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 if there is an investigation um, regarding the Al Jazeera journalist, do we have any further um, uh, uh, any further knowledge about what happened in that case? Because Israel, of course, is being, being blamed by the world. And in addition to that, uh, there was a report that Israeli police attacked mourners at the funeral. Uh, and I don't know if that's, you know, again, evidence from a cell phone video that's uh, misunderstood or not. What do we know about those two things?
1: So for the for, for the uh, actual investigation, as long as Palestinians won't share the bullets and won't cooperate with Israel, it's hard to draw any final conclusions. There were reports that the Israeli army was pursuing the theory that it did come from an Israeli uh, a soldier responding to fire. Uh, it is a war zone. Uh, you know there were 2,100 plus journalists killed in recent years in all the different countries, including 21 Al Jazeera uh, journalists. And nobody can name one name or or tell the circumstances. Uh, in some cases, in many cases, journalists get assassinated. That's not the case here. This was a hot fire situation. And not a deliberate targeting of uh, of journalists or this journalist. Uh, and I think the the glorification and the, is is so exaggerated because it involves Israel. It's a tragedy when uh, journalists get killed, and people should work to protect the freedom of the press because you want to get the news out. But um, I, I think the the um, the way that this is being portrayed and the, the way that the uh, world leaders jumping on it. I, why are they not doing it? They should do it when every a, a journalist or, or innocent people get, get killed or, or hurt. But in those cases where it's deliberate, and here everyone knows it, so it's not a deliberate targeting, and what happened at the funeral was the, the body, there wasn't arrangement made both with the church and with the, with the family no about how it would be handled, and the people violated it, violated the understanding, violated the agreement. And the people, they're, they grabbed the body, and they were moving it away from the family, and nobody knew where they were going to take it, if they were going to take it to the church for the service or not. So the police interceded. Now, if did they do it the right way? Did they Should they have let them just take it and do what they want and let the, the PA forces deal with it? Uh, is something I'm sure that will, will be examined. But the idea that they that they beat up people wantonly was is just patently false. They were trying to control a, a crowd that was being taken over by violent elements. And as you know, it, it's a minority that get involved as on the the, the violence in the By it involved a couple hundred people out of tens of thousands who came there. And yet the media's portrayal of all of this is is really just so evident of the, uh, further evidence of the bias and the slam Israel mentality that exists today.
0: And government and, uh, officials, uh, and government officials yeah. double down on it because they see the media has a certain attitude and all they want to do with every topic these days. The United
1: is th- Nations, <laughs> they have so many crises in the world. Why are, why are they condemning everything going on in Ukraine? Everywhere else. But this is something that occupies them in, in, in you know, in the way it did. I understand that people are concerned about freedom of, of journalists. There's a, an association of it. It happens to be ha- uh, headed by a Muslim guy here in, in Washington, and the media put him on as a spokesman, as a neutral spokesman. He's not neutral uh, in his comments, certainly. And the um, and and if this was universally applied to the to the danger posed to journalists, then I think we we, we could be much clearer. You don't see that kind of concern being manifest for the hundreds, 150, or 40 that were killed in Iraq or Syria. It doesn't, you don't see that kind of concern being expressed.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. Around the World of Web at com and the MalcolmSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app, Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He and I remind everybody that this coming Sunday there's a parade, a Celebrate Israel Parade. Avenue, New York City. Make sure to be there. Make sure to bring uh, make sure to bring bottled water with you because uh, it's going to be a very hot day, but uh, a day to celebrate Israel. And uh, if you miss any of the parade or if you're out of town, check out our coverage. It's going to be starting at 1130 a.m. Eastern Time. Audio at Nahum Siegel uh, app and, of course, video live stream at com. Brought to you by the Rothenberg Law Firm at InjuryLawyer.com. So make sure to check that out. Uh, what do you, um, a week later, what do you think of the Ukrainian position against Russia now that a major city has fallen to the Russians?
1: Look, it was inevitable, I think, by most people's uh, uh, military estimates that the city would eventually fall. Um, but the, um, you know, they take back some villages. The Ukrainian forces have been able to resist and take back some forces at some um Uh, villages and and some territory. It'll be, uh, uh, you know, a tug of war continuing. There are other cities. They're dumbass. They tell us this is destroyed. They they started attacking Odessa and other forces. Look, Russia has a lot of capacity there. Uh, The fact that they resisted for so long and were able to take such a heavy toll on Russian forces and Russia's equipment, is, uh, is really a very noteworthy, and something that um, I'm sure is embarrassing to, to the Russians. You saw that they got rid of some of their top military, well, not the top military, and, uh, you know, constantly reassess, and we don't know what reality... Is really being portrayed to the Russian people and to to uh, Putin himself. He's dependent upon what information he's given. Now it's a little hard to hide it as the information gets out and the you know body bags and the, you know bodies are exhumed by the Ukrainians and their pictures are being sent to their families uh, or information to their families saying that that the, their loved ones were killed, which they were not notified of by the. Russian government, wow. and this is a very heavy toll in, in, in Russia, the, the idea of, um, you know, the body bags issue, and, um, and so this is, we have to watch the internal reaction uh, as well. In the meantime, Russia moves ahead on other fronts in their dealings with Iran. They just set up a joint center at St. Petersburg University, Polytech University, for on nuclear issues and uh, they are obviously very focused on Finland and Sweden coming into the into
0: NATO. What's delayed that by the way? What's delayed their me- NATO membership or just takes time?
1: No, it ta- first of all it takes time has but it has to be done within the year. Uh-huh. And the, um, uh, the you know the Finns and the Swedes uh, decision to move ahead in the face of the Russian threats Russia moved nuclear-capable missiles, supposedly, nearer to the border with Finland, uh, I, I, I don't think they will attack. I don't think they have the capacity now to fight a multi-front war or conflicts, uh, nor would they, because NATO obviously would have to get involved here directly, much more so than, let's say, in the Ukraine, beyond supplying weapons, but this would be a direct confrontation. Uh, so Russia, you know, continues to, to try to play the role in multiple things. You see some of the leaders, but very limited, who are coming to Russia, the Belarusian leader, because it's their closest ally. Um, but Russia is increasingly uh, isolated. The economic pressures on it are great, but they seem to be able to sustain. You know, they have, they have their own energy, and they produce food. Uh, the problem is that they're not exporting, which the, Russia and and the ukraine were the breadbasket of europe and for much of the world countries like lebanon egypt all got the 70 80% of their wheat from ukraine or or russia uh, and so the the um, internal situation uh, you, you see the immigration you see people leaving including russian jews leaving for
0: uh, for israel why don't we, is it just because the media doesn't report it, why don't we hear more about the what must be terrible shortages in the, in the countries that you just mentioned? I mean, it's got to be destroying the economy of so many countries if they're so dependent on Russia uh, for supplies and resources, and they're not available now.
1: No, we do see the warnings about a global food shortage uh, looming, and that, uh, you know, for, for many of the countries have already received shipments, uh, and there are some shipments continuing. Uh, they look to other uh, sources, but, but there's no one that can make up for what uh, the absence of both Ukraine and, and Russia f- uh, from the supplying uh, of uh, wheat and other products uh, to make it up and and there are shortages now in europe and in other places and we will see them here too uh, this is going to be an escalating issue if, uh, if uh, the war doesn't come to a conclusion and they're able to resume uh, export uh
0: what can you tell us about the hezbollah losses in the lebanese elections first of all, i didn't even realize that there were democratic <laughs> elections in lebanon if we call it democratic you could describe it to us but what can you tell us about the latest developments there
1: well, the election results um, are uh, were a defeat for Hezbollah in a sense. Uh, they didn't; they lost uh, a number of seats. Actually, the coalition that they're part of lost uh, seats, but no one else emerges as a, as a real challenge still to Hezbollah. They are the dominant power in, in Lebanon. the um, The question about uh, Aoun came in as the second Christian party, second uh, in size. Uh, there are shifts, and it is a reflection of where um, people are at. But the the results are not conclusive in terms of what the next government will be. You know, the 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 constitution mandates who's, who that Christians occupy certain positions: president, the speaker, the parliament. Uh, the parliament has very limited power in the face of of uh, of the. You know the terror that that Hezbollah imposes on the people and on the uh, and their control, certainly in the military sense of uh, of the force the Lebanese as opposed to the Lebanese Free Forces. And there are still people here who believe that we should be supporting the Lebanese Free Forces because somehow that be an offset, which has not proven to be the case.
0: Uh, does it affect Israel's relationship with Lebanon? His
1: well, there isn't much of a relationship there. Their only interaction right now is uh, about the maritime borders where the division of the Sea base and you know it sort of overlaps and there's it's supposedly energy rich there. So the Hezbollah has increased their demands. There are, is international mediation. Uh, there was international mediation going on. Right now, I don't think anything uh, is moving ahead there.
0: What can you tell us about the brand new prime minister of France?
1: Well, the brand new prime minister of France is uh, somebody whose father, her, her father, was a Holocaust survivor. She's a socialist. Um, I would say left of center. We'll have to see what the, what policy differences. But it's obviously Macron is the is the key player and the policy her. so we'll, we'll see whether there's uh continuity he has pledged all sorts of reforms in uh, dealing with the violence in the country dealing with self with anti-semitism which is you know is very strong in in, in uh, france as it is everywhere else
0: mm-hmm. uh, we'll have to see on that topic by the way i uh, i was curious I, I know that you know it, it's on this side of the world this uh uh, one of ma- one of many mass shootings that have taken place recently but the one in buffalo specifically i was curious what your reaction was when you heard that al sharpton was calling for a summit on hate crimes that included uh, members of the Black, Jewish, and Asian leadership that should be in Washington, etc. N- not that I—I'm not asking you to bash him, <laughs> although if you want to, feel free. But I, I just the irony that he is out there in this leadership position trying to arrange for a summit about the uh, victims of hate crimes when I, I think many would argue that uh, he's responsible for a lot of the rhetoric that uh, that incites people, frankly.
1: He has in the past certainly been involved in incitement and still never clearly rectified or apologized for some of his past actions. But lately he's been more responsible, and uh, I don't know if that's the right word to use in regard to him. But, but you know, I, I also believe that I wanted to convene a national leadership conference to deal with Jew hatred, Um, and waiting because of COVID, we had put it off. So I think a a summit of, uh, of leaders of the United States, not convened by him, but should be convened by the United States government or by, you know, recognized leaders to really say that we're going to put a stop to this in some way. We can't eradicate it but the fact that the that in so many places in schools and in, in universities in, in influential institutions and individuals engage in in rhetoric and in incitement that has to be intolerable and it has to be proven to be intolerable we have to see governments crack down that the revolving door justice ends i want to hear him come out and say that the kind of reforms that were instituted um have to be addressed and and that you can't have people walk into the court and an hour later out in the streets doing it again that's the kind of stuff that we really need to, to see in a national movement I think that this crosses all lines I do believe members of the black and Hispanic and every other minority community are, who are targeted by this are fed up and and it you know they want to see the violence in and, it, you know, everybody cites the fact that it's a minority and a small number that engage in, in the violence. But when you have record numbers of deaths all over the country every weekend and every week now, this is, this is an intolerable situation. And so uh, I think the, I would like to see Congress move in the state legislatures and others. To put in rational policies, but to start holding people to account—those who incite, those who use the internet to do it, those who provide the weapons, those who facilitated—and if there are foreign funds or, or other influences that are uh, involved, that they have to be exposed and addressed, and if necessary legislated against.
0: I was—I was hesitating to ask you the question. Now I'm glad I did, frankly. Uh, finally, and I ask you this every single week. Uh, seven days later, anything we should know about what's happening with Iran? Any progress, if one could, if one wants to refer to it that way, uh, in terms of uh, the United States and its negotiations in regard to a new deal?
1: Well, there are huge developments in this last week, and it, it's very appropriate to, to, for us to keep this issue in, on the front lines mm-hmm. because people are not paying attention. You look, the media hardly covers the situation in Iran. You know that a million Toman the currency in in um, Iran is worth twenty three dollars and sixty cents now oh my God the economy is in full collapse. You see the incitement continue uh, by Shiite leaders against Sunni against the Takfiris, against uh, other groups which are naming, and most of all we see the the um, and by the way attacking against british shiites u s sunnis. Uh, by name, I mean identifying uh, these these uh, different groups, and, and, and interestingly, they they made acknowledgements in describing the current situation, talking about the budget budget deficit of 500 trillion toman, that 700 people a day died during COVID, that um, talking about the internal tensions uh, because it's it's too too obvious. But the um, big story is the demonstrations. In 19 of the 31 provinces in Iran, we had demonstrations, and some of them very large, uh, about price of uh, food and goods and the absence of food, the, the water shortages. Uh, the um, Do they arrest uh, people
0: randomly when these demonstrations take place?
1: They do arrest people. Five were killed, by the way. Oh, gosh. Uh, again, you don't see the world rising up and talking of... Uh, um, you know, about th- about this violence and the excesses and the Basiji going into the streets that beat up people viciously, uh, and many of them don't go to hospital because then they get arrested, and, and the internal situation seems to be uh, escalating mm-hmm. as the shortages um, uh, are more and more widespread, and the government raised the price on c- certain foodstuffs mm-hmm. and things, and that automatically is the basis for uh, a strong reaction. They, the government is worried because if, if the minorities like the Azeris and the Baluchis and others who make up more than 50% of the population start uh, rising up, and we saw it at a football game uh, tended by Azeri population, and you hear openly in some of these demonstrations the death to Khomeini again. This is, uh, you know, this is not to be taken lightly. As I said, if, if we remove the sanctions, what we're doing is propping up the government. This is a time when more sanctions are necessary. We have to show them that, the, the, uh, that they will be held to account, that the people responsible for the killing should be identified and know that they will face charges afterwards. And at the same time, the talks in Vienna are, are stalemated, they they supposedly can wanted to come back with another proposal, but they're still demanding that the IRGC be removed from the foreign terrorist organization list, which it just won't do. The British, the Europeans, were there negotiating. Uh, Bora, uh, you know, and we believe that he proposed that, you know, they would remove maybe the Iran Revolutionary Guard, but leave the Al Quds forces on, and etc. R- Iran doesn't feel the pressure as much right now. The Iranian government. Because of the price of oil being so high, their exports, most of it illegal and most of it to China, uh, still is bringing in a multiple of the amounts of money that they got in past years. So they sort of feel that they have a cushion and and, up to, and, uh, and time, uh, but if the talks... Collapse completely. I think then we're going to face a different circumstance.
0: Wow, unbelievable! All right, hope to see you Sunday at the parade. Hopefully, people will join us and celebrate Israel. Because Ma- uh, Malcolm, as you always remind us, uh, times of tragedy and difficult times. Uh, it seems that the people uh, uh, make make sure to have their voices heard, but we should do so in uh, in a positive manner as well. When we when it comes to celebrating, and Israel. the
1: world will be watching. People will be watching to see. Is there diminution of support? You see all of these stories, and I believe that they're not uh, founded in reality of a diminution of support. Now's the time to go out and show it. And it's not a political party. It's nothing. It's the state of Israel. It's our connection to, to Israel.
0: I really wonder about that, the diminution of support. But you're right. Now's not the time to discuss that. Now's the time to increase the crowds and celebrate. Uh, thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again uh, next Shabbos. week. Friday morning yes. broadcast, JM and the AM. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update here on the JM and the AM.